Episode 130, Jessica Jones, Episode 1, Season 1, a.k.a. Ladies' Night. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome, welcome back, uh, Agents of Shield, season three, halfway finished, but it's time for us to take a break and talk about, well, Netflix. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, one of the hosts here, and I am not alone. No, never alone. Welcome, private investigators. This is PI Daniel Butcher here. How you doing, Daniel? I'm <laughs> tense. Yeah, Daniel. I thought of you a number of times while watching, while watching Jessica Jones. Well, you know, particularly this episode. Wow, I'm just when I reflect back on the whole Jessica Jones experience, I there's times that I just wonder how I got through it. Well, reflecting on the whole Jessica Jones experience right now, Daniel, we do need to give a warning to our listeners, shall we? Let's warn them away. Warning number one. We are spoiling episode one of Jessica Jones, and we will be spoiling basically as we release, we'll add another layer. And so when we talk about episode two, we will talk about episode two and what came before, but not what came after. So we are not going to talk about Jessica Jones beyond episode one for this particular episode, but we are spoiling it. Now, for some of you, you might actually appreciate that because maybe you're not planning to watch Jessica Jones. I do know some of our listeners are not planning to watch it, and I know that that is actually a conscious choice, and it's a good choice to have made because this show is not for everyone. Yeah, it is absolutely example, not for everyone. Good example. There's times I considered my oldest being able to watch Daredevil. I informed my oldest later to, earlier tonight when asked when they could watch Jessica Jones that when they were 40, they could watch it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm 41, so... Thanks You're just right above the cut. Daniel, let job. me watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that means that the conversation we're going to have, you know, we're not explicit guys. We're not cussy guys. Um, the show is very cussy, but we are not. So, but the conversation that's going to come from this up, the series uh, is kind of what we were expecting. Actually, as Daniel and I were talking about the lead up to this, my one worry was just how explicit they were going to go with, with some of the visuals and it, it skirts some things that made me uncomfortable the things that made me uncomfortable, it was actually good uncomfortable uh, because of the themes that they were bringing out and talking about. And so that's something that's going to happen here. We are talking about themes that we don't normally talk about, although we have talked about some deep issues in the past. We've talked about PTSD. We've talked about um, torture. <laughs> I do not believe in torture, by the way. We've talked about a lot of different things, but this one goes deep. And so there are things that are going to be talked about in the Jessica Jones episodes of this podcast that are mature. And we will be talking about some of these things in a frank way. We will hopefully be, well, I shouldn't say hopefully, we will not be talking about them in a particularly explicit way, but please be aware as we are talking about this series that we will be talking about this series. Um, and there's a lot of valuable things to talk about. There's a lot of things that 
maybe maybe they did go a little bit too far. Some of the visuals, some of the violence, even. Um, but that's that's in the future. Right now, we're talking about episode one, and yeah, I think from here, um, we need to just should we just start talking about the the episode? I'm I'm excited. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Well, let's move on to our first segment, which will consist of our preliminary thoughts of our from our first viewings. Preliminary investigation. So Daniel, s- <laughs> I just I gotta say it. I don't think I've ever said it on this show. I Sex. I know we've talked about it, but uh, yeah, I was gonna it. lead out with a Daniel. Some might call this episode one. But it's also known as Ladies' Night. Um, but you you beat me to the punch. Did you yeah. ever have anyone in speech class who started their speech like that? I Where, don't remember. I, I, I do. I, I had a kid do that who, you know, now that I've got your attention, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the wetlands in Florida and how there's well, acid rain coming from Canada and killing off ducks. So. Well, can we just go ahead and talk about something before we get into it? Because it is on my mind. Okay. And, uh, and it does uh, have to do with getting attention. Okay. I think this episode started wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You sent a message on Facebook when you first watched this episode. Um, wow. I, I'm doing this even before we get to our old phone calls. Holy smokes. But again, it's about the start. They really, again, I'm not saying I approve of it, but it really needed to start with the F-bomb. It needed to start with that word. Oh, because that's the way the comic starts, right? That's how the comic starts. The reason they did that is because they were trying to be shocking and to set a tone. Um, I think it would have been appropriate here if they were trying to set a tone based on the language that we've seen in Daredevil and not the language we've seen in Jessica Jones. You know what? Just rip the Band-Aid off and drop it. Just they, drop the mic. Yeah, I mean, well, we're not going to talk about later episodes, but this episode, there there was no F-bomb that was dropped. Yeah, but uh, I mean, That was not her word of choice. Her word of choice is another one, but yeah. But but I really I really do think it should have started with that. Um, not that we're going to say the word. I think everybody knows what the word is, but. Uh, and we again, have it, not to, because, we, we do not want the explicit tag on the iTunes, so. And, 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 and not because, you know, it's a word that I use a lot, but, and this is going to sound really weird, especially coming from me and folks that know me and think that I'm a really, really giant big prude. I think artistically it would have linked up with the AKA Jessica Jones series nicely. And it would have, again, made a statement artistically. This is not Stan Lee's Marvel. No, but instead they started out with um, a man and a woman in the street uh, having relations. I mean, they're, and and the statement that it starts out with is the theme. But you know what? We we are going to get to style and theme and all this stuff here, Daniel. No, you're, you're jumping and the gun. After, and after we talk, I I want to talk about that uh, that dialogue from the opening. So that is, uh, yeah, that's a big part. Well, we'll get to it. Right now we have some phone calls we need to get to. And those are the phone calls from one past Ben Avery and one past Daniel Butcher who called in immediately after watching. These are our instant reactions to these episodes as one of us was binge watching and one of us was taking their time. I wonder who was who. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say I'm I'm not going to talk about the series as a, you know, in detail, 
this is not an easy series to binge watch <laughs> at all. I think I mentioned it before, but yeah. So who well, should we start I, with, Daniel? I don't know. I'm sweating, worried about, are you going to argue with you? So I think we all want to know if we're going to miss that bullet this time. We are not missing that bullet. Oh, geez. All right. We got problems. I don't care. Just play one of them. I, I've labeled them. That's the thing. I've oh, done a much ben. better job of labeling, labeling them. So Just play Ben. Okay. Let's get the anger out of so it. So this one I've heard, but I don't remember much about. The other one, I, I, I don't listen to yours. So we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. So this is Ben, past Ben, calling in after watching episode one of Jessica Jones, the day of release. He was also Facebook messaging Daniel and teasing him because Daniel couldn't watch it. Hey, Daniel. Hey, future Ben. It's been a while since we've talked. In fact, you uh, haven't called me in six months, future Ben. I don't know what that's all about, but, well, you know what they say. Actually, I don't know what they say. I'm just saying that because that's what they say. They say, you know what they say. Anyway, uh, I'm calling about AKA. Ladies Night, Episode 1, Jessica Jones. Uh, My initial reaction to this is probably that uh, we're off to a a slow start. Uh, We are uh, a slow build, I think. And this episode definitely sets up the problem, uh, the the problem for Jessica. But I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, where's the payoff for this one episode? Well, where's the payoff for this one episode? Uh, It's, I guess, the hero's journey. It's the call. It's the call to action that she has turned down and now has to choose. And that's what we're given in this episode. I don't really feel like we just went on uh, a single story and then that resolves, but it's, it's building into something else. This is just building into something else. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. I guess uh, different is probably the best word to use to describe what we're getting here. Um, you know, it's not Agent Shield, it's not Agent Carter, it's not Daredevil, and it's not our movies. This is very, very different, very, very dark. Uh, the noir vibe, I'm, I'm digging the vibe there. Um, but there's the, there's other vibes too. I mean, there's this voyeurism kind of thing going on. She's a private eye, she's constantly spying on people. And th- that's uncomfortable. And it's meant to be uncomfortable. I mean, we were meant to feel uncomfortable as we were watching this story about this woman who, as the logo presents, is broken. Uh, I wouldn't say maybe broken is not quite the right word, but, you know, she's wounded, she's hurt, and she's dealing with with tragedy and and trying to find a way to, I guess, continue dealing with that. There's no sense of closure here in this episode, but there is definitely a sense of purpose. So this episode is giving us her purpose so i'm not biting my nails to find out what's going to happen in the next episode like i was with a lot of daredevil stuff but i am curious and wondering and wanting to know what is going to happen next where are we going to go next and i think we're going to get more of that cliffhanger kind of thing where we're wondering what's going to happen in the next episode and i think we're also going to get some more single adventures you know the the side mission i guess if you could call it for the the private investigation side of things. So that's all I have to say. So until next time, Daniel, future Ben, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, it's kind of nice. Wow. You guys, did you guys break some bread? Reconcile? No, I mean, I don't know how I would call him. 
or was it the lack of but communication for six months? Maybe that helped. Maybe that helped. You know, you just absence makes the heart grow fonder. And maybe in this case, absence just made the heart grow fond. Oh, interesting. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Let's hear from past Daniel. How's that sound? I wonder if I'm light and bouncy. I don't know. We'll find out right now. Hello, Dandy Daniel Butcher <laughs> and future Ben. Interesting. Just got done watching Jessica Jones, episode one, a.k.a. Ladies' Night. And I'm tense. I am tense about things that go bump and are in your brain and are rattling around and anticipating things that are happening and, and that do happen and foreboding. I totally thought she was going to walk into that hotel room and see a dead girl. And in the end, it was even worse because the minute they began to walk away to go to Omaha, I knew they weren't going to go to Omaha. They weren't going to have a fine quality steak. They weren't going to go to the Henry Dorley Zoo, one of the finest zoos in America. Because, quite frankly, they weren't going to get there. They weren't going to get on that interstate and go. And you knew the minute that door closed, something was very, very wrong. Jessica Jones, wow, even current Ben would have to admit that this is a a show like Marvel's never put on before. Between the tension, the hard adult themes, it's hard to look away, but at the same time, I feel like I need to cover my eyes. It's, this is not, this isn't Daniel's Avengers, I'm just saying. I see the Marvel label. I, I will say I do have a complaint, which is I complain about the fact that it doesn't start right because it really should have started with a profanity, just like in the comic book. That would have been correct and set the right tone, I think. I'm, I'm surprised that it didn't go that way. And also I'm finding it interesting. I'm, I'm pretty sure Hellcat's going to take the, uh, take the initial, the initial role that Miss Marvel played being that connection to the past. So I think there might have been some adventuring with Hellcat and uh, and Jessica, which could explain the uh, non-Avengers, but past superhero history that we need to have. So, all right, let's do my predictions and my shock and my awe and my pitch. Peace out later, bye. Be safe, kids. Make good choices. Don't let some crazy man get in your head. Just say it. Later, bye. You got a little bit of a jaunt to your your gate there. A little jaunty, a oh. little bouncy. Well, I'm a happy uh, guy. I mean, considering how tense you were sounding, oh, there man. was some bounce to the tension. I I, I really I, think so. I was so stressed out when I called. I really was. I can remember that. I can remember finishing that first episode and feeling like bugs were just crawling around in my brain. It's a tense episode. It's a stressful episode. And I think that's a, a good cue for us to start our discussion about this episode. Surveillance report. So yeah, a tense episode, but uh, part of a tense, a tense series, really. We're not talking about any episodes past this one. We don't have to, as far as like that, that tension, there's, oh, there's stuff going on. There's I'm just saying when I got done and when I got done, you were already three fourths of the way through. And I thought to myself, maybe even a little bit more than that. How did he do this? 
how does he not feel horrible? <laughs> Uh, I, I told you, I mean, we, and we, we did, we talked about this, uh, in previous episodes cause we mentioned Jessica Jones, but, um, it's hard to binge. And there, there are some points where I thought, I, I think I'm just going to take a break and watch heroes reborn or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, let, let's talk about the plot real quick and then we can get into some of these, these specifics that we want to get into. Okay. Well, lead us through, because the thing is, is unlike an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is kind of slow-paced. It's very slow-paced. There's not, I mean, my outline is very, very short. Um, now, it's 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 the, the beats here, but basically we've got, our, our, we start out with Jessica Jones dealing with a client. Uh, she's spying or investigating someone, and when she gives the report, the guy doesn't want to believe that his wife is having an affair, and the guy is going to get physical. So she tosses the guy through her door window. Then after he's gone, she goes and checks on Luke Cage because, quote, some cases just won't let you go. Now, we don't know what this means at this point because we are only at episode one in the first 10 minutes. Uh, But obviously she's haunted by a case. And then she ends up going back to her office where she is met by some parents who are asking her to look for hope. (laughs) And we begin an investigation into Hope's life. At the same time, to get more money, she works for Hogarth, who is a lawyer, and she's going to serve some papers for her. And the su- the papers that she serves are to this jerk, and they involve using her superpowers and some threats. Then she goes and visits Cage, Cage's bar, Luke Cage's bar, and there's some whippy, witty rapportee. It leads to sex, which leads to seeing a picture in Luke Cage's medicine cabinet. She leaves the place with an apology and then goes to follow Hope's leads with her credit card numbers and stuff and recognizes a pattern. She decides she is going to go on the run and she tells Hope's parents to get away as fast as they can and as far as they can, but she doesn't have $600 to fly to Hong Kong, so she tries to get money from Hogarth, the lawyer. She tries to get money from her friend Trish, and when she talks to Trish, she says he's he's still alive. We know she's talking about Kilgrave, who has appeared in her head a few times this episode. And she gets the hero's call from Trish, who says that she is best equipped to deal with this person, this Kilgrave. And she ends up getting the money to get a ticket to fly to Hong Kong and tells Trish, I was never the hero you wanted me to be. But on her way to the airport, she gives in, tells the taxi driver to take her to a hotel apartment. I think it was a hotel uh, where she goes and finds hope in a particular hotel room that she knew because of this pattern that she understands and knows from this Kilgrave. When she finds hope, hope has been told to stay in bed and she cannot get out. She will not let herself get out. Uh, Jessica has to get physical and we find out that hope has uh, dealt with Kilgrave and he made her do things that she didn't want to do. She is reunited with her parents. And as Daniel said earlier, Jessica tries to send them to Omaha and then she still plans to run. She takes her stuff, gives her apartment a goodbye glance, walks into the hallway and hears shots from the elevator that Hope and her parents are in. Jessica's powerless to do anything about it. When she gets to the bottom, she finds the horrifying scene of Hope with her parents. Hope takes the gun and tries to use it on herself, right? 
Yeah. Eh, it's hard to tell. She's yeah. definitely, but it's clicking. I mean, there's 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 yeah. no more bullets in there. She, th- there is no more bullets. I think she's in shock. Yes, definitely. I think she's coming into because when she she originally opens the door, she's she makes a comment about it. Almost seemed like a Jokerish sort of comment, like what's so f- not funny? I yeah. can't remember exactly what it was, but then it's like all of a sudden it wore off, and then she realized what she did, which was then even more horrible. Right. I mean, it's just. We'll talk about it. But then Jessica says, I'm going to get out of here to herself and not even I'm, – I'm, I'm applying that to her. She goes to a taxi to leave, to run away, and then steals herself, realizes she cannot go. And with resolve in her step, she turns around to go back into her apartment building as she has accepted the hero's call. Nice. I like how you worked in the hero's call there. Well, it's very much a part of the the theme in this episode. Very much a part of the theme in this episode. Well, especially since she, again, we'll get into this tone-wise, she's a very reluctant hero. She's cynical about the world. She's not Captain America. You know, she's not Steve, who is trying to find the best in everyone. She literally sees the worst in everyone because of what she does. Well, and that's that first line. That, that, That first line here is just... A big part of the job, being a private investigator, is looking for the worst in people. I mean, that's our—that's what she's doing when we open. She is looking at this guy who is having an affair with someone else's wife. She is, when she's going to spy on Luke Cage, she sees this guy who is has some sort of weird shoe fetish. Uh, then she sees the girl who exercises briefly. And then goes and gets, uh, you know, a quarter pounder and starts eating that. Uh, she, her job is to sit and spy and see people and what they do when no one else is looking. In their worst possible light. Yes. So do you want to talk about themes now or do you want to save that? Because we, we uh, also need to talk about some of the style stuff that's going on and, and the characters that we have here too. I want to talk about that opening narration. So wherever you're going to put that, let's start there. Okay. Well, just start. Let's let's talk about it. So uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who is the creator of Jessica Jones and wrote AKA Jessica Jones, he also is a writer on this show. And he's been, you know, he's not the showrunner, but he has been able to put in his creative input um, to this program. And that dialogue when he she's watching the people could have just been lifted. In fact, it probably was lifted from AKA Jessica Jones. And the thing that makes me excited about that is again, we've all heard me make fun of Jessica Jones in the context of things like civil war, where she's come off to me to be, to be blunt, whiny and in, in not effective as a character. But when Brian Michael Bendis writes her, and when he gets to put input into her character and her in her cynical side and her rough side, it's really good. It is really good, Ben. I've read one volume of AKA Jessica Jones. I've read The Pulse, both by Bendis. And when Bendis is there and he can do things like this uh, narration, it is story gold. There, I said it. Because the thing is, it's true. It, it's connecting because you know what? People do do bad things and you can choose. Are you going to see people in the best light or the worst light? And here we have a person and I think we can all relate to her because she sees everyone through the absolute worst light through the lens of her camera. 
Right, right. And that's another thing that we get here. And this is a style thing. Uh, we see a lot of stuff through windows and through cameras. And through and grates. Yeah, Even I mean, it, it's all, I mean, a lot of what we're seeing is spying. I mean, it's it's us, the viewer, peeking through something else to see the characters and what they're doing. And so we're kind of being pushed into the Jessica Jones mindset of this this voyeurism, this this spying, this investigation into private matters, into private lives. And yes, some of it's not easy to see. Some of it is um, just frankly, it's looking at the underbelly of humanity. It's looking like I said, it's looking at people doing things when they think no one else is looking. And and you know, when you almost think about it, the one person who's not hiding their vices in their private life, other than who they were before they were a private investigator, because they just don't talk about it, is Jessica. Mm-hmm. I mean, her apartment is her office. Those booze bottles are everywhere. And she's not hiding her, her powers. She's not hiding her identity. She is, when she goes to serve those papers, she's just right out there. Hey, here I am. I'm going to use some power and tell whoever you want. Does it look like I'm trying to hide this? Because I'm not. I'm also not telling everyone. You know, she's, but she's, yeah, she she's living a life of just putting it all out there. And from her vices to her abilities, you know, she is who she is. Deal with it. Now, the one thing she's not telling people is her past, but there are people who know it. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely has a couple secrets. She has some secrets from us right now in this episode. For example, why is she watching Luke Cage? What is it about him that makes her, you know, as she's getting ready to watch him say, oh, some, I know some I know cases just won't let you go. I know the answer to that. Luke Cage is a hot mess of man. Well, he's got problems. Dude, he's handsome. Oh, I don't know what you meant. I'm just saying there's Daniel Butcher and then there's Luke Cage. We're like in the same category. Yeah, I mean, he does look like... Handsome men like me know our own, Ben. Maybe you could have been his stand-in. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Uh, If I had been his stand-in, my shadow, as they were doing the lighting for the scene, would have been a little rounder. A lot I'm shorter. Just I would have boosted all that's in the belly but up into the chest and muscles. I mean, there's ways to do that. With me. I guess so. Okay. I, I'm not all sure. All right. I, I think I should probably let you talk again and get us back on the rails. <laughs> well, so let's, you want to stick with some of these themes here? I mean, they're tied into a lot of the style stuff and they're tied into a lot of the character stuff. Because um, we're watching the, the noir style that we're seeing here. I'm really digging it. The music. I'm really enjoying. Uh, there's times when it feels slightly inappropriate, a little more bouncy maybe than the scene is giving us. But um, yeah, I this whole noir style, I, and then we already talked about you know this looking through things at our characters and and peeking around corners. Um, there are some shots. I'm trying to remember if it was this episode. Maybe I'm pe- jumping ahead a little bit. There are some shots where. Our characters are in one third of the screen and the rest is something that's between us and them. You know, it's just, 
It's a very interesting style of shooting that we get there. And then there's, there's the voiceover. As soon as you add a voiceover, especially if they're a private detective uh, or a private investigator, you know, you're, you're getting to that noir feel. You're getting into that um, Bogart type of, of feel. You're getting into that black and white Maltese Falcon kind of thing. So I'm digging the style. I'm digging the noir. And at this point, I'm wondering, can they keep it up? Can they? So, or is it going to get old? Well, and here's my question. Ben, now, knowing what you like, and I want you to think about the sort of programs that you like and, and pay attention to. Mm-hmm. If it didn't have a Marvel tag up front, mm-hmm. and you saw a preview for this, would you have watched it? I actually probably would have. I don't know if I would have stuck with it uh, or binged through it. Uh, but I, I think I, I think I would have wa- ended up watching the whole thing. See, and I think without the Marvel tag, for me, it would have gone on that list of potentially interesting. Okay, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll compare it to something else that I haven't watched. Um, but I would have put it on the, on that list of potentially interesting. And then, as you told me about it a bunch of times, you would have probably eventually convinced me to watch it. What is that? And I, and I would have watched it. I mean, Jessica Jones. And oh, I probably oh, would have oh. watched it like... While I'm doing other things, I wouldn't have given it my full undivided attention like I am because it has a Marvel tag. Now, now, what I was going to compare it to is The Man in the High Castle. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that yet either. I haven't either. But if you were to give me like blind like envelopes with this is the plot for this and this is the plot for that, I would have picked the one that had The Man in the High Castle. Instead of this. Instead of this. Instead of the superpowered hard-boiled detective yeah again the marvel tag is what got me here but without the marvel tag it would have taken convincing from you and you would i have had to tell me several times just like bojack horseman which i haven't finished that you know i need to check it out don't forget to watch the bojack horseman christmas special whoa 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 where what is it where's that at is it's it not in the season? season it's its own thing on netflix oh yeah yeah watch it between seasons Okay, I'm at the beginning. Okay, I, I will watch it after I finish this episode that I'm watching in season two. Then I'll go back and watch that. Yeah. It's, it, there's nothing plot-wise that's going to throw you if you don't watch it in the right order. It's, it's a Christmas episode, and it's interesting. That's all I'm going to say. But back to Jessica Jones. Um, yeah, so I'm liking the style. Now, let's see what else we got here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's a scene. We talked about the voyeurism where you're kind of peeking in, uh, looking through windows, but also looking through cameras. And that was also, they, they had this character that is living in Hope's apartment. She's taking Hope's place and he's filming his life 24 seven of life on camera, single shot, no cuts. And again, it's just kind of taking you know okay what is you have certain people who in our society right now just everything goes out everything goes out everything is out for public and uh, public consumption uh and jessica's job is to find the people and, and deal with the people who are hiding things and yeah so there's another theme that I, I just found this to be a pretty apt description of her life. 
Now, the first 10 minutes of this episode, they let us know almost everything we need to know about her. She's got powers. She's very cynical. Um, there's a thing with Luke Cage. But the scene where she is investigating Hope, and she's, no, no, she's going to serve the papers, and she's sitting on the toilet, lying for a client, you know, but lying and, and faking that she's someone that the person she's talking to on the other end of the phone knows. Um, and so she's doing a job and she's doing it well, but then there's no toilet paper. <laughs> there's not a square to spare. Not a square to spare. Why do you and, think she needs the money, Ben? Well, but here's, I mean, this is that one scene right there, I think is Jessica Jones in a nutshell. You know, just she's vulnerable, but she's strong. She's capable, um, but she's disorganized, forgetful. I mean, I remember toilet paper, and I'm pretty forgetful about almost everything else. But if I'm running low on toilet paper, you better believe I'm getting that. And I don't even need the list when we're running low. Everybody knows when they're running low. Yeah. Unless, of course, maybe she didn't have the money for toilet paper. Uh, I think she had the money for toilet paper. She just doesn't have the money for a plane ticket to Hong Kong. She spends a lot of money on booze, Ben. A lot of money on booze. And I don't see her going to a bar and putting it on a tab. She's purchasing it from a place that's, you know, she's buying the bottle. She's going to Costco and buying it in bulk. She even says it, that she buys it in bulk. Yeah. You get the sense that she buys the cheapest, most horrible tasting alcohol that she's not she's not buying it for the the flavor bin. No, no, she's, she's not. She is using that to forget. She is using that to dull the pain, forget these things. You know, she's she's got I mean, she's got PTSD. She has been traumatized. And this episode lets us know. You know, she's cynical and probably has always been cynical, you know, from from, you know, whenever she was able to form a cynical thought. But she's been wounded. She's been hurt. And she is haunted, not just by the case, but she's haunted by Kilgrave. Oh, so am I. Is that a theme? Haunting? No, that I didn't put that in there, but I mean, it could be. So. Should we look at some character stuff here? I, I do feel like he's in my brain. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about some characters. Let's talk about Kilgrave as we know him right now. Okay. We know very little right well, now we know he's in this episode. What? We know he manipulates. He manipulates. And he's smart. He, and she sees him. I mean, she uh, maybe not hallucinates to him. Uh, flashbacks to him, I should say. And he's made an impact on her psyche. And not a positive one. And this is going to sound weird when I say it, but maybe it won't. I get the sense that he looks at people as property. When when you see her her thoughts of him in her head and her bad dreams, it's things like him licking her. Yeah. That really are – they're very demeaning. They're very much like you're mine and I can do to you anything I want. And you get why she's terrified because I, I'm not been a, I'm not a big fan of being touched. For example, um, I, I hug my fr- my family. Uh, the other day at work, a guy left. One of my closest colleagues. I'm going to miss him. 
I gave him a half hug, Ben. You know, the arm over the shoulder, just a half hug. So the thought of a guy licking me or anyone licking me anyone, that yeah. I don't like is kind of terrifying to me. Well, and I mean, we, we're keeping it to this episode as far as, you know, specifics. Uh, but what he does with Hope, you know, telling her you stay in the bed. And she's been there for hours and hours and hours and she's just peed, you know, and I mean, he, and then this whole, you know, going through and, and the, the lingerie and the, the meal and, and all these different things that should be signs of intimacy. It's been forced. It's forced intimacy. And there's a word for forced intimacy. Yeah, it's called rape. It absolutely is. And, 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 and yeah, Kilgrave is a rapist. There is no way to get around that. I mean, okay, not talking further than this episode, but just well, looking but at this I mean, episode, you don't, ha- you don't have to look further than this no, episode to, to see that. No, exactly. He is a rapist. He has a young woman in bed. Even if she believes it's within her will, it's not. It's not in her will. And, I mean, we and we'll find out more about how the powers work and and how people feel when it's happening. But right now, this is horrible. This is horrible and horrifying. And the really weird thing, too, is, you know, we've got villains that want to take over the world like Dr. You know, like Red Skull. And, you know, he's got an agenda that's not good. And Hydra is going to go out and they're going to kill a gazillion people and they're going to do it in mass. But at a certain point, just the intimacy of this act of crime is is even it seems even more horrifying than Ultron dropping a city. It's funny you'd say that, because when I was re watching this for this this recording, my two sick kids were watching Ultron. (laughs) We're watching Age of Ultron. It's very, very different to walk out of my office and see the Avengers do the avenging. Uh, after, you know, sitting through this, it's a different world. I, I mean, it's, it's the same world, but it's a different, completely different tone. And yeah, it, it it's a horror movie. And, and I'm just going to put that out there right now. Say it right now. Um, I, you have, you know, Daredevil was a crime movie. It was, you know, it was 13 hours. These episodes, it was crime, you know, and then you have the war movie with Avengers. You have the high tech thriller uh, comedy with Ant Man. You have the high fantasy with Thor. All these different styles of movie, but one universe. Well, here we're getting into noir detective stuff tied together with a horror movie. Kilgrave is a monster, terrifying monster. And he, we only see him. I think maybe four seconds in this episode, but his you know what impact is horrifying. Do you know what I think it might be, Ben? What? In the world I live in, people don't drop cities from a mile above. And in the world I live in, there aren't yet maniacal robot AIs trying to take over my world. But there are in my world real life villains and murders and rapists 
And there are people who do bad things. And maybe where the shock is and the tension is this crime is real. It is a real thing that can happen in this world. Now, we know we're going to see a superpower that exaggerates it. Right. But – And we're going to talk about more specifics with this because it gets more specific. Uh, but what we have right now, you're right. You're yeah, right. this happens to real people. Real people in my world don't have a city dropped on them. They don't. But sadly, in my world, which is, you know, we get into this and we probably won't, but a, a, a broken world, these bad things do happen. And maybe that's why it makes me tense and terrified. Yeah. Is because I have friends and loved ones that these things, again, not using his powers, but these things can happen. And maybe that's what makes it gritty and raw and real is just the knowledge that, you know, this, at least right now in episode one, isn't someone trying to take over all of New York. But this is someone who manipulates and captures and rapes and, and does personal offenses and, yeah. against people and it could it could actually honestly to god happen in my world yeah and it's terrifying so that's Kilgrave. then we have luke cage we don't know much about him as of this episode he's a nice guy though he likes ladies dude he's uh, handsome he, he likes he's a handsome man <laughs> he likes ladies because he likes sex you're getting the impression there's not an attachment to anyone except for the lady whose picture is in his medicine cabinet which we find out more later but there's a reaction that jessica jones gives when she sees that and we we realize okay there's some sort of connection between jessica and luke and luke doesn't know it's there but jessica we we know it's there because we've seen her spying on him and reacting to him meeting this woman and reacting to him um with with the picture in his medicine cabinet and yeah, so that's, that's Luke Cage. Now they have a relationship and it's a purely physical one right now. Now is Luke Cage, is that the first bare bottom we've seen in the MCU? The lady that visited him? Maybe. I don't know if that was, well. That kind of threw me for a loop to be honest, yeah. to see a thonged bottom. But again, I mean, and, and what, what's difficult is. Jessica's watching through the lens of her camera into someone's window. Why doesn't anyone in that building close their curtains, by the way? I hate having curtains open. Hate it. Dude, I love a dark house. Even if I don't have any reason to have them closed. You know? I I just, I, I like my privacy. And I don't like the sunlight blasting in. I, I guess my wife calls me a vampire. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. She's, it's okay, she's buddy. We do the same thing here in the old butcher house. Yeah, but you live in Minnesota, and it's it's dark and cold there. I live the in Indiana. People, it's gray and cold here. People get very, very depressed here in Minnesota. I've heard. I listen to Lake Wobegon. I know. Garrison Keillor. Sometimes I, you got to take vitamins. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so. Oh. But yeah, and then, again, going back to Luke and Jessica and their relationship, it is very sexual. I think this is probably the again this first scene here is to date the most intense sexual scene we've seen in the MCU. And here's the thing with this. You know, I think that the the sexuality could have been toned down for the entire episode. 
but I understand artistically what they're trying to say with it. And so there's, there's kind of this push pull with me where it's okay. I understand what they're trying to do. I'm, I appreciate that they weren't as explicit as they could have been. I mean, they have the TV MA, which is basically licensed for an R rating. Um, so I, I do appreciate that. Uh, but little's left to the imagination, even without showing anything. And so that's where, again, this is just not for everyone. And I'm not saying that to be a prude. I'm not saying that, oh, if you're a prude, you shouldn't watch it. I'm saying be aware of what you know and what you can handle. And, you know, it, it's it, it's a character thing, though. I mean, they are two people who are hurting, who are just trying to feel something and well, feel closeness. She, again, going back to her theme, uh, one, of, one of the defining statements for her life is... She says to Hogarth, you know, Hogarth offered her a full-time job with the law firm as a private investigator. She says, I just prefer to freelance, no ties. That's her life right now. She well, has again, pushed away her best friend. We don't know all the details, but pushed her away. And here she's well, with and Luke. We do know that she has no problems dropping everything and going to Hong Kong. Right. Yeah. No ties. I couldn't do that. I have I have family members that would notice. <laughs> Which is kind of sad that she literally believes, you know, maybe her neighbor who think who gets drunk or stoned or whatever and breaks into her apartment, maybe maybe that's her one tie. And she's clearly had ties before because of Trish. And and maybe can I talk about Trish a little bit here and ties and being and being connected, not connected. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Trish. So in my phone call, I made the, the mention of, um, I think that she might be filling in for Miss Marvel. And, and it was Miss Marvel at the time of AKA Jessica Jones, not Captain Marvel. Um, but filling in for Carol Danvers, because in, in the comic book, the, the, the conceit is, is that she is, in fact, a former and failed Avenger. And some of her PTSD comes from the fact that she was faking it. She never really truly was someone who fit in. But she had friends. And one of her friends was Carol Danvers. Uh, and much like Trish, she turned her back on Carol. And so part of what we see in AKA Jessica Jones is her attempting to reconnect with people, i.e. Carol. And so that that's where the vibe is coming with, with Miss Marvel here is the fact, you know, is is Trish going to be that person that she's got the adventuring background with and that background of friendship? I mean, as we see here in episode one, she knows a lot about the Kilgrave situation. Yeah, yeah. And but here's the other thing. She is trying to, you know, sever ties. She can't get away from Trish. Trish is on the radio. She's on the side of a bus. She's on, you know, billboards. She is a popular radio host with that lifestyle radio show. Um, she can't get away from Trish, even without trying to contact Trish. They, they don't even travel in the same circles. It's just if you're in the city, you're going to see her. Here's the other thing I found interesting is she's going to Trish because she is so desperate to get away from everyone. So she's so desperate. She'll go to her old friend. And, and and she knows Trish will take her back. Yeah. Well, and she knows Trish will help her to disappear. 
Which, well, and I was I was shocked to find out that Trish had been giving her money before, before the new job. Yeah. Well, and there's again in one of my notes here as I list out the characters for this episode. There's more to everyone's stories. <laughs> so we're we're getting just set up right now. I mean, we've got Hogarth, who she totally reminds me of Robin Wright, uh, Claire Underwood from uh, House of Cards another Netflix series, just the way she stands, her haircut and that kind of thing. Um, but she's this high powered lawyer who is in control, um, who doesn't necessarily like Jessica Jones because it's hard to control someone like that, but she needs Jessica's, um, Jessica's methods. Um, she's having an affair and it's just one of those things. No one is good here. No one is good. Now they've gender swapped her. Uh, she was a male in the comics and worked for the Rand's uh, Iron Fist, Danny Rand's family. Well, and, and that is a switch. She is a Danny Rand. She's an Iron Fist character. She's not a Jessica Jones character. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, and I should say he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. So. Uh, another character that we have here are the people upstairs who are arguing and I just kept expecting her to go up and just beat up the abusive husband or something, but we'll find out that that's not exactly what's going on here. Then there's Malcolm, the druggie He's strung out. He has a stolen TV and then there's hope who, boy, you want to lampshade something about theme looking for hope. Uh, that's it right there. That's there we go. Jessica Jones is looking for hope. Let's just put it right out there. But there's more to everyone's story, even hope. I mean, there's more. We'll get into all of this, uh, but. Ben, uh, now that we're in characters, you did mention the fact that you'd like to kind of focus in on some different actors and actresses as we went forward. Yeah, yeah. So I think every episode until we run out of primary people, uh, we should just take a look at one of the the actors who we're, we're looking at here and, and so today let's let's look at Kristen Ritter do you know Kristen Ritter for anything I do what do you I know do. her from I know so I she's got a pretty big list but the thing that I really know her from is Breaking Bad yeah me too where where she played Jesse's girlfriend and I'm she was fantastic in that um she really showed that she had dramatic chops um she probably didn't win a, be- a supporting actress role, but I would really consider ask why she didn't. I mean, she was really incredible in Breaking Bad, and th- and then the other place that I know her is Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Um, I think I saw like maybe an episode or two of that. Um, I think I saw it after before Breaking Bad. Uh, sorry, Cheryl, there, and and my my thought was, wow, that's the same person <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, in Don't Trust the Bee, she was very glammed compared to in Breaking Bad and definitely not as grounded. But uh, at the same time, she was able to able to bring the funny and the hardness. And hey, she was nominated for a Teen Choice Award for Choice TV Villain for that. Yeah, I never watched that. I don't think I've even seen part of an episode of that. But Breaking Bad, um, she definitely left an impression Definitely left an impression on Breaking Bad. And I i mean, there's a lot about Breaking Bad that just leaves an impression. But um, when she was there, you know, that was. She was a character that stood out. And an important character for, you know, Jesse's, Jesse's uh, 
I don't want to spoil anything. His arc. His arc, though, yeah. You know, you know what else has impressed me? Is her publicity of Jessica Jones. She's been in the, she was in the press a lot when this was dropped. And the, the sense that I got, and you and I have kind of fought about Daniel Craig and Spectre. You know, in Spectre, you got the sense of Daniel Craig is just like, I'm done with this. This is, this is horrible. And, and even Robert Downey Jr. at times doesn't seem to have enthusiasm for being Tony Stark. But she really seems to want to understand this character, to enjoy this character. Again, not superhero in the sense of, you know, a costume. But you get the sense that she'd be willing to play Jessica Jones in any of the Netflix series. That you you call her, she's there. Because she really seems to enjoy getting into this cynical, hard lady. Well, and here's the difficulty for what we have here in this episode then. And it's quite simply that she is meant to be unlikable. But we are supposed to want to spend time with her. And that is one difficult thing. She plays Jessica well. She has the tongue, just that witty, sharp tongue. She has the attitude, just that I can't be bothered with the world kind of attitude. But then she also has the, that she's able to draw on and show that pain and that the vulnerability. I mean, she's strong and yet she cries and she trembles because she's been hurt and wounded. But all of this makes for a very difficult sell to the series itself. And I think what you're saying about would I even watch this if it wasn't Marvel, um, you have to you have to spend time with her to want to spend time with her, if that makes any sense. Because you have to get past all that guck. You have to get past all that gross attitude. You have to get past all that. And and she doesn't she's trying to play a character who's not going to let anyone in. The danger is that we don't get let in as a viewer. And there's some testimony, there testament to her acting that we are willing to go along with it, even though it's very difficult to go along with. And so that's uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I want to give her props for that. Uh, there are times when I didn't like her. Uh, they're coming up, you know, but there are times where you're just like, uh, you know, Steve Rogers, I'd like to spend time with Tony Stark. I maybe would like to talk with him a little bit, you know, dude, he's buying dinner. Yeah. Thor. I would love to hear Thor. Just tell me some stories about his childhood in Asgard. And then the time, the dark elves. Yeah. No, yeah, well, actually it'd be like, Aquaman on uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. Yeah, <laughs> the story maybe. of Thor and the gnomes. But with Jessica, she's not a person who wants to let you in in the first place to spend time with her. And yeah, it's a difficult sell. And you, we aren't getting to really know her supporting cast well in this ep- in this episode. And so we don't have a Foggy Nelson. We 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 don't have a Karen. We don't have been. We we oh, don't have those characters who are surrounding Daredevil. And frankly, Matt Murdock, he's not a bad person to spend time with. You know, he's he's a nice guy who wants to do good things. So this is this is a difficult and risky 
sell. And it, it's not, I, I, I read an article that uh, piracy is up for Jessica Jones, but not near the Daredevil levels as far as trying to watch it outside of Netflix. So, Well, but people don't really know who she is. They don't. I mean, there's nothing, it's, it's different, but it's not bad. It's just different. And this one is not going to have the mass appeal that most of the other Marvel stuff has. And I've also seen a lot of people say, finally, a good superhero thing. Finally, an adult superhero thing. Finally, the superhero thing that I've been wanting. Why couldn't they make this earlier? Why don't they make this more? And I'm just thinking to myself, this is not good commerce here. If everything was Jessica Jones, you first of all will get sick of it after a while. And second of all, not as many people would watch it. Not as many people can watch it. It's a difficult viewing. You're not going to sink Avengers money into a Jessica Jones story. So the fact that they're spending time with Netflix to do this, it's the right venue. And it makes sense to do this here in this venue. But you're not going to go to, uh, you know, the, the, the opening night Jessica Jones movie premiere, you know, Thursday midnight show and have to order your tickets three weeks ahead of time. So you're, you know, you, you can get the advanced ticket without worrying about it being sold out because this is a difficult viewing. This is an R rated show that is R rated because uh, not just because of content, but because of what the content is realistically portraying as far as a hurting and painful past. So I, I just, I, I, I can't help. I try to keep my snark low. I try not to jump in on conversations that I've seen on Facebook where they're just, this is so great. It's the best thing ever. And they should be doing this all the time. No, it would never happen. It couldn't happen. People don't, it's not a populist enough concept. It's not a popular thing to, to show. And it's a difficult view. Why is it good? It's good because there are people out there like this. And there are things out there, like you said, the monster Kilgrave. So that's, uh, did I get a little soapboxy there? I don't know. Maybe I did. No, I, I think we're probably uh, so full, you know, behind the scenes here. You and I have had some, some conversations about Jessica Jones. And one of the things that we've made clear is we're going to be very, very serious about how we start off with our, our view of this, that we're going to, it's adult material and we're going to treat it in an adult nature that, you know, Daniel has problems being adult sometime and maybe he needs to grow up a little bit. Maybe that's what's happened in the MCU. And, and to me, what I heard you say was very adult in nature, very serious and very mature. So congratulations, sir, for being a 40 year old man. Oh, doggone it. I'm growing up, Daniel. Fortunately, I was able to just jump right into Age of Ultron and enjoy that too. So, and I watched an episode of The Flash, which is the complete opposite of this show. Yes, and that's the that's just it. I mean, there are things I do believe are wrong for for people to view, and I am a prude. I'm gonna just say it right now. I am a prude, um, and I I don't wear it proud. It's just what I am. Uh, there are things that I'm just like, you know what? I'm not touching that. 
because I have I have these moral standards. I think everyone needs to have moral standards. Everyone's moral standards are going to be slightly different. There's a sliding scale of where you draw lines. Um, my lines come from my religious upbringing and my my spiritual background and my my religious beliefs. There's 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 a lot of that that go into forming who I am. Um, but with that, you know this the stuff that this show made me think about. Uh, and maybe I'm getting ahead of us. Maybe we, I need to pull back a little bit because we're only on episode one. But the stuff this maybe this show made me think about it was difficult. It was difficult, but it was difficult for a reason. And I would not want to force this on anyone. I would not want to say, you should watch this because it's so great. It's going to make you wonder about this, this, this. No, you got to be careful with this one. And and not just because of sexual content. Not just because of violent content, but because of emotional content. I need to get off my soapbox, Daniel. Well, um, can I climb onto mine? Sure, climb onto yours. And, and to follow up with Ben, because comic book stories matter, because they're fiction that can help us reflect on what exists in the real world and real issues. And we can learn real lessons in a setting and fictional account that, to be honest, is relatively silly. This is a non-silly story, yes. But there's but silliness to it still, story. though. Yeah. And, and we can learn how to can, to mull over our world our existence in this show, we have already had a discussion about the existence of evil. Ben, think about that. The existence of evil is something that's come up already. And it's because of a superhero who's got some super strength. And as far as we know, may fly or may not fly or might just really jump really high. I just, I, I just want us to be careful. And here's why I want us to save some of this. We've got, 12 more episodes and, and i'm like oh I, I i feel like i've just blown everything i oh, okay no it's it's gonna continue it is going to continue we've got a lot more to talk about and i'm gonna put this out here right now no i'll wait i'll wait when we, so, when we talk you know about what, the, what even makes me laugh is every episode you ask me towards the end daniel do you have anything else to add and i usually say no you know what that's not going to happen today because that's what happens with this show I, I, I want to talk about something else before we sign off. Well, now's the time. I mean, the reason oh. I, yeah. Hey, this show is really kind of scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. I'm serious. And this when, is just you, first episode. Yeah. Uh, when, again, Kilgrave, I, and I've said it a thousand times, I hate scary things. I really do. Kilgrave really does give me the creeps in the sense of he's crawling around in my head. And you called it horror tension when we were going back and forth, but there are two scenes in this episode that were more scary to me than probably even the, the, the Bam Night Shyamalan movie that we watched with the, she's going to walk into that. I know she's going to walk into that room. Uh, she's going to walk into the room and there's going to be a dead girl in that room. You're comparing this to that, to Crimson yeah. Peak? No, not Crimson Peak. The oh no, no. One. The visit. <laughs> the visit. I, I'm the like, visit. She's, Even worse. 
there's there's there's, there's going to be a dead girl. There's going to be, and then later with the elevator. Uh oh no, I saw that. Look, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to. Well, oh, it's oh. doing the same thing though, Daniel. It's it's taking a very real fear. Uh, in, in, in the case of the visit, it's, it's age, it's growing old and dementia and that kind of thing, but, and, and painting it in this horrible, you know, just fantastic light. And, and that's what we have here. Oh, Daniel, man, I, I'm honest. I, you know, I can't wait to talk with you about some of the other stuff that's happening here with, with these other episodes, because yeah, it's a horror movie. It's a 13-hour horror detective movie. So, okay, Daniel, you have anything else to say nope, <laughs> before we? Now. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna um, move into our our. Uh, uh, what do we land on with this witness statements? I think that's what we came yeah, up with, even though it's close to witness testimony. But our, our witness statements, because we do have uh, one feedback for this episode, um, and. I'm just going to throw this out there right now. Our recording schedule is very erratic for these episodes. We're going to be releasing them and it's going to feel a little more um, scheduled, organized, organized, but (laughs) recording is is very erratic. So we do only have one uh, feedback for this episode. But if you have any thoughts about Ladies Night that you want to send us, absolutely send it to us because we can still use it in a future episode. Um, And the other thing is because of the binge type of of dropping. Well, let's, let's move on. And then we'll talk about that. So, yeah, our, our our witness statements. Witness statements. So, yeah, the the way we we're, we're going to do this is, if you are mentioning an episode, we aren't going to be able to use your feedback until we get to the episode about that episode. Unless, so, of course, we've passed it. Right, right. So, like, <laughs> any anything with Ladies Night is totally game for you to, to send to us. And we're going to do our best. I mean, there's going to be some, the, the, we, we might have to to bend the rules a little bit. Ben, we're, we're grown men with jobs and wives and families and kids. Just saying. What does that have to do with anything? We're getting to this stuff when we can, man. Yeah, yeah. So we do have one feedback, though, for Ladies Night, and I'm going to play that right now. It's audio feedback. I love audio feedback because I don't have to read it. Yes. Hello, Daniel and Ben. This is Agent Matt Anderson calling from Minnesota. Well, I've watched one episode of Jessica Jones, just the first episode. And, I mean, I, I'm seeing online everybody's loving this. I think it was okay so far. I don't think if it – well, if it wasn't a Marvel show, I'm not positive I'd be interested in continuing on after just one episode. But, of course, I'll stick with it, and maybe by the end I'll think this was one of the greatest things I've ever, I've ever seen. But for now – I'm okay with it. It's not great, but we'll see where it goes. But I think I probably felt that way after the first Daredevil episode. Maybe I watched Daredevil pretty much in a binge-watching capacity, whereas I've uh, not been able to do that with Jessica Jones. So uh, the beginning of Daredevil sort of runs together for me. Anyways, all I have to say, I'd say it's okay. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think, have to say about it. I haven't read any of her comics before, so this story is all new to me. So hopefully that will help uh, help add to the experience for me as a TV show, and then maybe I'll go back and want, read the comics down the road. But uh, excited to hear you guys talk about it. So for now, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson signing off. Thanks, Matt Anderson, friend from Comic Book Time Machine and the Sci-Fi Christian, for giving us that feedback. And 
Yeah, I mean, this goes to say what you've been been saying here, Daniel. So, yeah, I mean, he, exactly. It, people are watching this because it's Marvel, and they don't know a lot about it. Because again, when Bendis doesn't write her; she's been used really poorly. What about the baby? <laughs> yeah, so she's voiced by Archie Bunker's wife in those other and I, things, and I'm worried about the baby. I am. I am worried about the baby. I don't know anything about the baby, but let's just say this. When you saw them doing that thing, making babies, that's well, what I, happens. I know, I know how that works, Daniel, but. Okay, uh, we'll have the talk later, buddy. Thanks, Daniel. So, okay, on that note, Daniel, maybe we should move away from Jessica Jones and move into uh, kind of some straggling feedback on the season cliffhanger, mid-season cliffhanger of season three. We have some feedback, and we want to get to that. I don't know when other S.H.I.E.L.D. feedback is going to show up in Jessica Jones, but I don't know. I just don't know. So we're talking here about Maveth, Maveth, Mav, Mav, Mav. Sure. Confidence, man. Just say it with confidence. You can completely mess it up, but as long as you're confident, no one will know. Yeah. Like, did you know that the holiday special was actually the first appearance of Boba Fett? That, like, that does sound like that. accurate. Is that what you want? Yes. You want to go to a recording or do you want to go to some reading? Let's do some reading. Okay. Uh, first up, we have Agent Dylan. And he says, subject, Maveth. Is that good? Yeah. All right. Agents, here's a crazy th- theory I thought of. The Hydra somehow gets to World War II era Earth, perhaps using... The Space Stone. The Hydra's host, he's, I think he's talking about the, the slug thing. The Hydra's host is killed by an Asgardian, but it retreats to the body of a Nazi scientist. One who has the desire to be a super soldier. The presence of this alien DNA causes something to go wrong, and he ends up looking different. He then tracks down the very Infinity Stone that brought him here, but another super soldier stops him and he gets transported back to the very planet he came from. In other words, Red Skull is the Hydra. This way, Red Skull is still the founder of Hydra and we can get Red Skull without Hugo Weaving, Agent Dylan. P.S. The product of two negatives is a positive. <laughs> Is that us? That's Are we two us. Negatives? Yeah, we were talking about multiplying two negatives and yeah. Uh, PPS. Really? I I know that math fact. I'm not good at math, but I knew that one. I don't know what we were talking about, but I do remember us talking about it. All right. Uh, all right. PPS. What you could do about the Heroes Reborn reports before Agent Carter is arrange the comic reviews so they happen the last two weeks before Agent Carter, then put the Hero Reborn reports at the end. Of those, I think he's talking about doing that instead of putting them at the end of Jessica Jones episodes. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that's his his message. Uh, I like his interesting little thing there, trying to, you know, make Red Skull actually be still the founder of Hydra, but he's the founder of Hydra from that other planet way, way, way in the past. That could be, you could do some interesting stuff with that. I don't. I, I don't see him being the founder of of Hydra, but that is one way they could bring Red Skull back is if he was on that planet 
from the forties. So it was him there. You could do some stuff. Mm. I think he wants a no prize, but I just don't feel like giving it because I'm a negative. Well, and if I'm a negative, and then <gasps> we multiply by each other, the product would be <gasps> a positive. What do we do, Daniel? I don't know. That was a long pause. I kept waiting for something to be dropped. Oh, I was waiting for your opinion. Because mm. I, I value your I, opinion. I'm going to hold it back. I'm going to hold it back. But hey, I think oh, okay. we know what we're going to do with Heroes Reborn. We do. We're going to tag him on Agent Carter, right? I, I think so. We're going to do yeah. the Heroes Reborn stuff with the Agent Carter episodes. Because here's what one thing I do know. Agent Carter episodes will be released either the Tuesday night after the episode airs or the Wednesday morning or the Wednesday night. But it'll be part of that regular weekly outcome. Uh, then Jessica Jones will get sprinkled. I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah, but it's going to happen. But but here's what we do. But probably Agent not- Carter will be that, that, that same kind of scheduling that we normally do with our regular episodes. Jessica Jones is kind of the in-betweener kind of thing. And behind the scenes, we know two things. Not everybody's listening to these Jessica Jones episodes as they're getting dropped. Just because they may not have seen Jones yet. Yeah. And other folks haven't who have been hearing the Heroes Reborn. We also know that there's some folks that have said they're not going to watch Jessica Jones or can't watch Jessica Jones. So the safest thing is for those folks who want that Heroes Reborn cast after Agent Carter. So that's what we're doing. So do you want to read something now, Daniel, or do you want me to play? Uh... I want to read because this one gets me very, very excited. Okay. Because I can put another pin in the wall. Well, let's another hear Another international agent here. Subject. Reaction to three times ten. Hi. They have hyped the twist in this episode so much that we could only be disappointed, and that's what's happened. Nothing was really surprising, although I give them props for developing Will as a good guy before revealing he was it. Ward as it, the hive, in the end, was the least surprising twist in history. That said, I really enjoyed the episode and looked forward to its return in March. The main reason for my feedback is the scene in in scene with Fitzsimmons because of the editing mistake. For a brief second, you see Fitz in the module, so you may wonder if Gemma sees Fitz and therefore only goes to the window to look for Will. According to Jeff Bell, the writer episode, the way we were supposed to view the scene is that Gemma doesn't see Fitz and goes to look for both of them, or one more than the other, the ambiguous part of the scene, and is thrilled to see Fitz come back, but also sad Will didn't. Thanks for giving us a great podcast each week. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the episode. P.S. Fitz was the MVP of the episode. No question about it. Agent Soren from Denmark. And I think that's the first time we've ever gotten feedback from Denmark. Uh, quite possibly. Although after, what, th- almost three years of doing this, uh, it's also possible that we've forgotten something. But yes, as I far as our short- faulty memories are concerned, yes. Yeah, we, I, we all know that I've already forgotten that Agent Dillon emailed us. So, yeah. Yeah, and actually, sometimes you forget who you're talking to just with me in the middle of the conversation. Who who is this? Yeah, exactly. Why am I here? Why do I have headphones? Daniel. Daniel, it's a podcast. Is that you, God? No, Daniel, it's me, Ben. All right, maybe we should listen to something. (laughs) You mean the voice of Ben God isn't enough for you? You're, You're Okay. Well, this is from Agent Hank. 
and he left a voicemail for us, which I love voicemails because we don't have to read them, and it brings other voices into the podcast. Um, and as much as I love hearing from people like Hank, I also love getting voicemails from from female <laughs> listeners because that brings a whole nother voice instead of these two old white men. But yeah, here we go. Hey guys, it's uh, Hank Harwell, and I've got uh, uh, three really quick observations about the winter finale of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, the first is, uh, if I were you, I'd start referring to Ward as Zombie Ward, um, simply because, you know, he's dead, now he's alive, he's not the same as he was, Zombie Ward. Uh, second observation is, and I wish I could write dialogue as as witty and as sharp as uh, the writers on this show. Just the whole uh, sequence of um, the team getting ready to infiltrate the castle and to uh, take on the, the Hydra goons. Um, thought it was just really, uh, really, really fresh, really, really sharp, really fun. Um, one other observation uh, is one I picked up from somewhere else uh, that this uh, creature that came back by uh, a zombie ward uh, to our world is uh, actually a, an MCUing of the uh, Hydra creation um, hive. Now I'm not familiar with it. Again, I'm not familiar with a lot of the comic book uh, references here, but. I thought this was a very interesting um, thought here in that he, it's a, uh, again, in the comics, it's a Hydra creation, but here it could be, it could be inhuman. And uh, it would be very interesting to see how they play that out. Bonus observation here. One of the most powerful, beautiful um, shots and scenes that I saw in this episode was at the end when you have May actually coming and, thawing out a little bit in uh, approaching uh, Coulson to give him a hug and just to, uh, again, share that incredibly deep friendship that they have uh, that's, you know, gone beyond uh, so many things uh, that we've seen on screen and maybe even uh, things that we haven't seen on screen yet. Um, just an amazing, um, amazing uh, scene. Uh, and for its simplicity, and yet it's depth there. Um, anyway, uh, did enjoy this. I've enjoyed, you know, the, the, the season especially, just really nonstop action and good thoughts uh, on the on the podcast to follow up. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. Have a great day. Bye. Uh, that's a vote for Zombie Ward. What do you think, Daniel? Zombie Ward it is. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I want to see. I want to see. We'll it's all see. connected. I mean, we got to call him something, but maybe you know, like Daisy, we're just going to get a whole other name. We'll just say, "Yeah, I'm not Ward anymore. I'm a uh, Timothy Smith." I'm trying to think of a good zombie call me Timothy. Marvel character, Timothy Smith, not Solomon Grundy. Wrong universe. <laughs> oh, there's the zombie. I wish I could remember his name. Could it be zombie? No, he actually had a name. He's in. He's in the one of the Howling Commandos of, of Shield kind of things. Oh, Sitwell. No, no. Um, it was a Steve Gerber thing that he did oh. in the old black and white 
stuff. Can't help you there. Yeah, I can't help myself, apparently. There you go. All right. Well, let's move on to Agent Nate. Hey, Ben and Daniel. Oh, by the way, uh, subject line is Ward has become death. Destroyer of worlds. And he says, hey, Ben and Daniel, your discussion of Mavith was excellent, and I appreciated the Stargate SG-1 references. But unless I missed it, I can't believe you didn't talk much about who the creature is. I have a theory, but I doubt I'm the only one who thinks so. But other than one or two other listeners at the beginning of the season suggesting this, I haven't heard anyone else bring it up. Admittedly, when I first heard Malik talk about the ancient inhuman in one head, many tales, I thought it sounded like the origin for X-Men villain Apocalypse, but obviously he can't show up in the MCU. But when I watched Mavith, it seemed like my suspicions were correct. The creature is death, as in the being Thanos fell in love with and who subsequently cheated Thanos, cheated on Thanos with Deadpool. But I digress. Let me explain. There have been frequent references, name drops, to death all season. The Hebrew word on the scroll, the name carved on the door to the monolith chamber, the word Mavith on the Hydra castle, Will calling the creature death. On the surface, it seems like those were meant to be taken metaphorically, but they could have been foreshadowing by the writers and meant to be taken literally in a comic book sense. Anyway, in the brief glimpse we get of the creature in 4,722 hours, it looked like the Grim Reaper, which is the design used by Marvel most of the time in the comics. The biggest clue, though, I thought was the lingering shot on Will's burning body that showed his ashen skull and death in Marvel Comics usually has a skull for a face. The big reason I think this is death, or rather uh, impressing her, was Thanos' motivation for finding the Infinity Gauntlet in that classic comic story. She hasn't been introduced yet, and if Marvel is doing so in this little show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, it has been elevated in the MCU canon. It's not a supplement to films anymore. It's just as important to the larger story being told. Now, as for the differences between the comics and the show, here's my theory. In the MCU, death needs a vessel, a body, in order to operate. When one wears out or is destroyed, she moves on to another one. The Ancient Inhuman was one of her previous vessels. It moved to Will in 4,722 hours, hence the seemingly pointless tag scene showing him walking away, and then to Ward. As for the slug, which I apparently missed, it could be the means by which death acquires a new body. I find it a bit nonsensical, even in a comic book universe, that the slug was somehow the ancient inhuman. What do you guys think? Could I be right? Or am I just a raving fanboy? Keep up the great work. And Agent Nate, it is possible that you are both right and a raving fanboy, but I'm not going to make that judgment right now because we don't really know. You know, Ben, there's a time I would have said this is all crazy talk. That there's no way they would do the connection to Thanos here and our little show. And then they made Inhumans a thing. So what we did, I, I know we talked about was this thing death or not, because they called they called the they called know, it death. Yeah, they, they called it death. And we were like, well, was that thing there really death? I don't think so. No, though, now that they've put that physical slug in there, I think I'm hearing people say things about the hive or, or hive or whatever it is. I don't know much about it. But I think that that sounds like the more likely of of explanations. And just let me throw this out there. It's entirely possible based on some Thanos comics that he's crazy and only he sees death. That's yeah, sure. Uh, I also don't think that Thanos is going to be courting an actual personification of death. In, in the movies that we're going to be getting. I, I think that that's a little too much for what they've set up as an MCU 
version of of reality. But who knows? Maybe I, I just think the personification of death being a slug that's trapped on a planet and doesn't have much power because it keeps, you know, it's not able to kill many people. That's not the personification of death. That's an alien that maybe when it's powerful, people call it death, but it's not, it's not death itself. Hey, speaking of death, Agent Nate has an addendum. He does. He says, I neglected to mention in my previous message that death being in the body of a man could be a subtle nod to Secret Wars 2. Yes, Ben and Daniel, I also listened to Comic Book Time Machine. I don't think it's a nod to Secret Wars 2 because I think you're the only one who's ever read it. Ben. I am not the only one who's ever read it. I'm probably one of the only people who've read it in the last couple of months, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, that is where death, yeah, uh, a, a human being took the place of death because death was destroyed and someone needed to be death. And so he volunteered. And so the female form of the personification of death is actually a human male who became death. It's all sorts of weird. It's all connected, Ben. But it is all connected. Maybe it's even that connected, but I doubt it. So, but yeah, Agent Nate, uh, thank you for your feedback and always good to hear from you. And yeah, I think that's about it then. That's it for feedback. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time then for us to move into what we're calling the final report because we investigators have, have to give their final report to the when they settle the they're bill. investigating for yeah maybe so we'll let's... call it settling the bill oh i kind of like that maybe i'm gonna have to change it out settling the bill yeah i think we'll go final report okay fine fine you win again ben all right i, well, I... luckily you're my eighth most important relationship so <laughs> we've been over this <laughs> Oh, Daniel. All right, here we go. Final report. Okay, so this is the part of the episode where for Netflix, we rate the episodes. We don't do this for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We could, but um, we haven't. We've gone over 50 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without doing it. Uh, so, But we're doing it for Netflix because we did it for Daredevil. And we hadn't figured out exactly what our, you know, we did f uh, Billy Clubs for, for Daredevil. But Jessica doesn't really have a weapon to do that with. I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah. Whiskey bottles? Oh, okay. For this episode, let's go with that. All right. <laughs> You're not going to get in trouble for that, are you? I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> to give it a number, okay? I, and I, I'm going to give this episode a, a solid four. A solid four. A solid four. Yeah. It's an interesting bit. That's really interesting to me because I think I'm going to give this episode. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. A four. Ooh, but not a solid one. I'm going to give it a, a well, yeah, let's give it a solid four. I mean, I really liked it. I, I was almost tempted to give it a 4.5 um, with the reason of getting 0.5 was for not starting with profanity, which seems really weird when you know me for me to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. But the first issue of a comic always has room to grow up, go yeah. up here. It's an effective pilot episode. Yeah. And it's an effective it's, pilot episode that's leading into to other stuff. I think I'm giving it a here, four because, I, like past Ben said, I didn't feel like this episode gave as much closure as I would like from an episode. Hey, here you go. Here's, here's the shocker. You ready for a shocker? 
I'm ready. I'm ready. I am ready. I like this a lot better than the first episode of Daredevil. I'm a little bit shocked. Okay. And in fact, I'm prepared to like Jessica Jones more than Daredevil based on this. Ain't nothing wrong with that as long as it's honest. I'm lying a little bit. <laughs> okay, so there is something wrong with that. No, I'm kidding. Ah, uh, now there's I, something wrong with the lying about the lying, Daniel. You, you Okay, I guess I'll have to go see Father Latte. You are digging yourself a hole, my friend. Me and Father Latte will talk about this. Yeah. By the way, he was just on a show recently. What was he on? Wait. Wasn't he on The Visit? (laughs) Is he the old man in The Visit? I think he's the old man on The Visit. Are you kidding me? Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. But yeah, I think so. I'm on it. Let's see whose internet connection is faster. But yeah, I I think that he's the old man on The Visit. Because I was trying to figure out who... How do I know him? There, Pop Pop. Peter. Yeah, yeah, it's him. Oh, man. I can never look at him the same way again. Wow, check that out. Two references to the visit in one episode. Oh, the real shocking thing is I went and saw that. But that's because I went with friends from a band. Yeah. It was better than it really could have been. It could have been a really bad movie. You want to hear a dirty little secret? I don't. But go ahead. I actually like M. Night Shyamalan movies. I do too. But, but I haven't seen The Happening. So uh, This is what I put in the good M. Night Shyamalan movies. And I know that there's some people who don't, wouldn't. But yeah. Well, that's all I have then, Daniel. So as usual, I just want to say um, thanks for listening. And we hope to hear from you. We hope to literally hear from you. We don't mind the emails. But the voicemails are fun. And now that that's out of the way, Daniel, I've said my thank yous. I've said my goodbyes, but I'm wondering, do we have anything from you to send people out on on just a a good note? Well, Ben, you know, once we're done today, we're going to have to have that talk we were talking about later, earlier, you know, about the babies. Mm -hmm. And when we have that talk, I might be able to give you some tips and hints. But just remember, in love and podcasting, I don't flirt. I just say what I want. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. And you can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at incomtech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. No, oh, Ben, that was fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. is it me or is there just a certain joy to the first opening episode of an MCU series? I think there like, is a level of joy. I also think that there's some freshness to new characters, new settings, new new themes. New themes, yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I've just opened a brand new toy and I want to uh, play with it. Well, Daniel, did you read the comic that went along with this? 
I did. In the comic, comic didn't make me feel like it was a new toy. Yeah, yeah. That, and we're talking about the free comic that you can get over at Marvel for their app. Yeah, you. it's on Marvel Unlimited, but you don't have to be a subscriber to Marvel Unlimited. It's, it's a free comic, right? Yes, it's yeah. absolutely free. So if you've got the Marvel Comics app that they use to, for you to purchase digital comics, um, there's, a, there's a tab in there that says free, and this is one of those comics. And it is an MCU tie-in comic. It's official, quote-unquote, MCU canon. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a number of comics on there, usually issue ones, uh, so that you'll be interested in, in subscribing to read more or in purchasing the you know other comics in the series. But this is one. It's about an eight-page story, I think. And I think we talked about it a little bit in a comic episode. But we, we talked about that it was out there, but we didn't actually talk about the content yeah, and what we thought about it. Basically, it's to say, you know what? You're going to – you like that Daredevil thing, right? You're going to like Jessica Jones then too because it's the same place. Literally, wink, wink, here's Turk. Yeah. Yeah, so Turk's in it. There's other people <laughs> from the Netflix <laughs> series. <laughs> well – Is it a spoiler I, to say? It, well, let's just go and say Daredevil's in it. Yeah. So poor Turk, because the thing is, is Turk, he's the victim of Daredevil doing Daredevil things to him and the victim of Jessica Jones doing Jessica Jones things to him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's they're getting, both very within character, but it's consequences, you know, Turk. it's consequences. Yeah. So Turk's a bad, bad man. Yeah. I, I, I can't say I like him after this, but uh, I, I do enjoy. I can't the, say I liked him before this, but. Uh, can I go so far as to throw out the again? It's only an eight-page story, so I don't think we're spoiling much. I do love the fact that they asked the question: "How is it you keep getting out of jail?" Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, and it seems to be set in between uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, but it's something that I'm going to be bringing up often after this point. I don't know where this is set in time. You know. It, there's certain clues, but yeah. So it's worth looking at, though, and it's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Good stuff. Good. Well, okay. stuff. You know what? It's worth the price. Definitely worth the price of admission. When you break down that, you often like when we talk about, hey, so I often send Ben a message and say, should I buy this? And then he often goes into a whole price per page with me. And you just can't beat the price per page on this one. Free is free, my friend. Free is free. Truth. Boom. Mic drop. Cuckathoom. 